0: two old fellows were sitting on a front porch bench and exchanging lifelong observations, what they had seen, what they had experienced. One of them sort of rubbed his chin and he says, you know, it seems to me that a big majority of people get sick before they die. They get sick and then they die. That's what I've observed and the other fellow thought about that for a minute, and he said, yeah. He says, very few people die healthy. You know, that's, that's a true life's observation, isn't it? That's true. And today we want to take that observation and say that the same thing is true spiritually. Spiritually speaking, very few people die healthy. And we're going to try to make some thoughts along that line, suggesting the importance of protecting our spiritual health. We stop here just for a minute to thank you all for being here today. We are so glad to be able to be here today uh, and to join together in worship. First of all, offering glory and praise to our God in heaven, which is our prime objective. And we hope that that will be accomplished, and we think it is accomplished when we worship him according to his will. That being the case, if you see anything that you don't agree with or anything that you even wonder about why, Ask a question. We'll try to show, our aim will be to show from the Bible that we're doing it this way because we believe it's what the Bible teaches us to do. And So if you have any question, ask. Beyond glorifying our God, our, our aim is to encourage and edify one another. And we hope that that will be accomplished too. And you have played an important role in that by virtue of your very presence here today. We thank you for being here. Thanks for coming. What about this observation Pretty simple one. Very few people die healthy. Most people get sick and then they die. And the same thing is true spiritually. And we want to see that there are actually a lot of parallels between our physical health and our spiritual health. Uh, Interestingly, the scriptures develop that sort of parallelism and we'll see that as we go through our lesson today. But the fact of the matter is when you think about people who are in deep spiritual peril, who have given up on serving God, that didn't just typically happen overnight. There was a progression, a downward spiritual spiral that led them to the point of finally quitting, giving up, failing to serve God anymore in their life. And so our point is, just like in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, you get sick and then you die. What happens to people spiritually is that they neglect the needed nutrition. Now, we know that physically, we're going to keep making this, try to draw this parallel between physical health and spiritual health. We know that physically, uh, a lot of our health depends upon our diet. And a good diet is critical to good health. If you don't eat well, if you eat the wrong kinds of things, your health will suffer. We know that. That's, uh, that's not earth-shattering news. We know that. The same thing is true spiritually. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Notice, he speaks about newborn babes. And I think the temptation here when we read this is to say, well, he's talking about those who are new Christians. New Christians should desire the sincere milk of the word. But if you go back and look at that context, he's not talking exclusively to new Christians. This this expression has application to us. So I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Uh, some of us have been Christians for decades now. But we still should have this desire for the sincere milk of the word like a baby. Like a baby desires milk. All of us. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You should still have this strong desire for the milk of the Word. Uh, All of us need to possess this deep craving, like a baby has. We we love babies. we, We cherish them. But all of us have had the experience being around a baby that's hungry. And when that baby is hungry, there is nothing going to satisfy until they get that milk. They want that milk and then nothing else is going to do until they get it. And so that's a very easy picture to, de- to develop in your mind's eye. And that's what Peter is saying here. Like a baby desires milk, you desire the nutrition that comes from the inspired Word of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in the Beatitudes section, the very introductory section of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after, uh, for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We have looked at this before, but I, it's interesting the words that Jesus used for hunger and thirst there. We understand that the word for hunger is not just a little, you know. I, I, need, I, I remember yesterday about mid-afternoon, I went into the kitchen and I told Cindy, I just need a little something. You know, It wasn't that I was about to starve to death, I, I just need a little something. We, some, we eat probably too often on the basis of I need a little something. That's not this word. This word is starving to death. The word for hunger here denotes someone who is at the point of starving to death. The word for thirst that Jesus used here denotes the idea of someone who is about to die of dehydration. If you were about to starve to death, if you were about to die from dehydration, there wouldn't be anything else on your mind. I've got to get some water. I have to find some food. And he says that's the kind of desire we should have. We should hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so uh, if you don't have that driving desire to nourish your soul, you simply are not going to do well, and you're going to start this process, this spiraling downward spiritually. Something else that happens is that when someone stops exercising, their health begins to fail. You know, all health authorities urge us to be active and get a degree of exercise in our daily routine. I imagine there are several of you here this morning who have on some kind of a watch that tracks your fitness activities. Uh, Most of us have a smartphone that will keep track of how many steps you take in a day at a minimum. They tell us that a good healthy standard is to get 10,000 steps a day. 10K every day is the expression they use. And you've got to be moving around quite a bit if you're going to get 10,000 steps in a day. But if you don't get that kind of exercise, then very possibly your health will begin to fail. And the same thing is true spiritually. In the text that Joel read for us earlier from Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 6, do you remember uh, Paul Smithson when he was here in our meeting just recently? He used this text in in our Bible class hour, I believe. And it was really a powerful lesson. Uh, But basically, he says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, he says. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I, I think a good way to put this, and we use the expression sometimes, use it or lose it. When it comes to the abilities that you have in service to God, you need to be busy using your abilities. Use your abilities in god 's service that 's the idea of this text, and we need to do that. We need that sort of spiritual exercise in First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse fifty eight Paul says, "Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord." Always abounding in the work of the Lord. The question I uh, that I think of whenever I read that is, does that describe me? Could I fairly say? Would it be accurate? Would it be a fair description of me to say that I'm always uh, not just working, but abounding in the work of the Lord? That's a great challenge, isn't it? But that's where we need to be. We need to be abounding in the work of the Lord. Because that gives us that essential spiritual exercise. And if we don't get that exercise, our spiritual health will begin to fail. Very few die healthy. They stop getting nutrition, they stop taking exercise, and then they associate with spiritually contagious people. I've used that kind of term. I use that terminology here uh, uh, on purpose because obviously, uh, during the time of this pandemic, and boy, hasn't this just drawn on and on and on, but all during the time of this pandemic, uh, we've had all kinds of warnings and admonitions about trying to keep distance. You know, who, whoever, before this started, whoever heard of social distancing? I mean, that's, that's a whole phrase that we hear it all the time, right? We know, we know about that way too much. We, you got you to keep your social distancing, you gotta wear your mask. What's the purpose of that? Of course. The intention, supposedly, I don't know how, I don't know how fair it has worked. I have my doubts, but the whole idea was to stay separated from people who could give us the virus, right? Well, the problem, and we understand that. I mean, even before this pandemic and this coronavirus outbreak, I mean, we understood when you, if people are sick, you want to keep some distance from them so you don't get what they've got. That's that's an understood principle. Again, the principle is true spiritually as well. and, And this is a more dangerous realm. Spiritually, it's more dangerous to be around people who could infect us with sin. Sin is the problem, right? And if we're around the wrong kind of people, they could infect us, influence us, lead us into sin. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, very simply it says... Be not, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, think about that for a minute. Bad company corrupts good morals. It doesn't say bad company could corrupt your morals. Bad company might corrupt your morals. It doesn't state it as a possibility. It states it as a reality, doesn't it? Bad company corrupts good morals. If you're around the wrong kind of people, if you never sever your relationship with those who are in the world and who are actively engaged in sin, if you don't don't break that relationship with them, if you keep associating freely with those people doing the same things that they do, the same things that you've always done, they're going to lead you right back down that path. You're going to be reinfected with sin, right? And so... The problem with some people in their spiritual health is that they don't make that distinction. And they allow themselves to be in the company of sinful people who, who influence them to do wrong. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, "...whoever walks with the wise become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm." Again, I, I, I want to stress to you the certainty of that statement. It's not saying it could happen, it might happen, it potentially might be true. No, it's saying it will happen. If you are the companion of fools, you will suffer harm. Do you get that? But again, we're seeing here this downward spiral. People don't people don't just die spiritually. They just don't drop dead spiritually. It takes it's a process, right? It doesn't happen overnight. It, it, you, you, but the spiral begins and just keeps deepening, getting worse and worse. When the symptoms finally do occur, unfortunately. People fail to take the corrective action. You know, common sense says that if you have a physical sickness, that when you see the symptoms of that sickness, uh, you do something about it. You don't just ignore it. I mean, if you ignore it, it will get worse. And so what you do is when you see physical symptoms, then you seek out treatment for that, or you should. And typically we do, and maybe we do it too much. You know, sometimes we uh, we read about maybe the over-prescription of antibiotics in our world, and that because antibiotics have been so prescribed that now resistant strains of bacteria are developing that our anti- that our antibiotics won't address. Because because when I'm physically sick, I'm gonna tell you I want some medicine. When I'm physically sick, I want something that will make me feel better. And I'm going to get it if I can. If I have symptoms, I'm going to do something to get corrected of those symptoms. Sadly, though, when it comes to spiritual matters, people neglect to act. They may be experiencing severe symptoms of spiritual illness, but they're not doing anything about it. And that is so sad. It's not new. That kind of reaction has been around for a long time. When the Lord addressed the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, beginning verse 15, He said, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, you say, here's your analysis. You say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. So that the Christians in Laodicea were having horrible spiritual symptoms. They were completely oblivious to it. And they weren't doing anything to try and remedy the situation. And I'm sad to say that there are people, uh, uh, even among God's people, there are those who are in dangerous spiritual peril. The symptoms are obvious but they're not doing anything about it. And then to compound the matter, when concerned brethren urge, take some medicine, they reject it. I've known of some folks who didn't believe in taking medicine. Have you ever known? Have you? Ever, I, now, listen to what I just said. I have known some people who didn't believe in taking medicine. Did you notice I spoke in past tense? <laughs> I have known. Because typically those people who wouldn't seek medical attention usually don't do well, right? They usually die. I have known some who didn't believe in taking medicine and those people are not with us anymore, right? Because when you're sick and you need medicine, you want to get that medicine. You should desire that medicine. Uh, it doesn't go well for you when you don't take the medicine. You have to act. What about spiritually? Spiritually, this happens uh, far more often. When, when medicine is encouraged upon a sick brother or sister in Christ, sadly, too often, they refuse the medicine and actually turn around and get mad at the people who are trying to offer them the medicine. It, Jesus described a process in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, beginning. You know it well. He said, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be unto you as a Gentile and a tax collector. You know this passage very well, I know. But I just, I just want to emphasize to you that Jesus spoke of the real potential the people are going to refuse the medicine. If when you go to him privately, if he does not listen to you, Jesus understood there's, there's, a, there's a possibility, maybe even a likelihood, he won't listen to you. So you take two or three with you if he refuses to listen to them. They, they, he may re, so he refuses the medicine you offer to him. And, and if you take two or three with you, he may refuse the medicine that you all offer him as well. And then he says, tell it to the church if he refuses to listen even to the church. Even when the whole congregation is trying to help this guy administer to him what he needs spiritually, he refuses to hear. He refuses the medicine. It's really a sad situation. We're sad to know that it happens way too often. Uh, Don't refuse the medicine. When it's offered, when concerned brethren see that you are in a spiritual peril, don't refuse the help, the spiritual help that they're trying to offer to you. Well, finally, all sensitivity is lost and these people die. Just like the old fellow said, you know, very few people die healthy. Most people get sick before they die. And that's definitely true spiritually. People get sick and then they die. Uh, Ultimately, spiritual death happens, uh, but, but it's not an unexpected thing. When, when you think about the things that we've been talking about that lead to this, re, this final reality, when you see all that's been happening, you're not too surprised that the outcome is spiritual death. Those people that we've been describing have been headed in that direction all along. In First Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 1, it says, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Here's the expression that we key in on: Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They've gotten past the point of sensitivity. You can't reach them now. They're, they're not, they're, they have lost all sense of spiritual sensitivity. And what's going to happen is they depart from the faith. They're not sensitive to any appeal to draw them back again. Here's a specific example of that. You know this text in First Corinthians chapter 11 it talks about the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Notice, that's why he says, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Now, this is talking specifically about abuses of the Lord's Supper in this, in this immediate context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we understand that. But it's true of the, the whole realm of our spiritual activity. If you don't attend to, the, to matters, if you don't take care, if you don't do the right thing, what happens is you get weak and ill and then you die. That's what happens. Sadly, that's what's happened to far too many people. And we urge you to not let that happen to you. Very few people die healthy. That's true physically. Physically is especially true spiritually. It doesn't just happen. There's a process. It's a downward spiral. And if you in any way see any of that in yourself this morning, then we beg you to do what's necessary to make sure that that doesn't progress further. Protect your health. Protect your spiritual health. Make sure you're right with God. If you're a Christian this morning already, but you realize that spiritually you've been spiraling downward, You've been in a spiritual health decline. And we beg, we beg you to come back to the Lord in repentance, confession, and prayer. And if we can help, we'd be glad to pray with you and for you. Let us know. If you're not yet a Christian, we hope you make that decision to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.